Crystal and Adam. How's it going, gang? Hey! Howdy. Howdy. Uh, so this show is being released on October 1st, and that is a momentous day, because this October 1st happens to be the 49th anniversary of Walt Disney World. Wow. So, I know, it's getting old. Mm-hmm. How, uh, talk about synergy, huh? Look at us planning ahead. Exactly. So everybody else is going to do something for the 50th year. We're going to start off the 50th year by celebrating the 49th year. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, don't they usually take like 18 to 24 months to celebrate an anniversary? They used to. In the in the good old days, they did. I believe they celebrated Walt's 100th birthday from like 19, I'm sorry, from uh, like 2004 to 2006. Well, I think yeah. they had the 60th wow. anniversary at Disney for like five years. Yeah. <laughs> It seemed like it anyway. Those were the good old days when money was flowing freely. In the COVID years, we don't have uh, we don't have money to celebrate like that. No. But uh, like I said, we th- we thought we'd take a look back at uh, the historical day of, of October first, nineteen seventy one, and just to put it in perspective, look at you know what the park was like back then, what it cost, uh, and then we're going to get into some of our own memories of our first visits to uh, Walt Disney World. So uh, a little bit of history. Um, Walt Disney World was, while it was the second park built, it was not the choice, the original choice for the second park. Um, Walt Disney and his team um, from 1963 to 1965 were working on the Walt Disney's Riverfront Riverfront Square project, which was going to be located in St. Louis, uh, approximately two blocks down from where uh, Bush Stadium would later be built. For reasons unknown uh, unknown to us. Wait. Um, what Tony? That uh, that is that is confirmed that they were working on that St. Louis project. Yes. Oh, I always thought there was rumor that not nope. actually going to nope. happen. Okay, that is uh, that is the truth. All right, sorry. You may you may continue. Dang, I kind of wish they would have done that because I feel like the weather up there would have been maybe a little better and less humid. So this park would have been two blocks north of Bush Memorial Stadium, which was under construction uh, during this time period. Uh, Imagineering drew up plans and designed attractions for the park. Um, This park was going to be an indoor park, uh, which would have an attendance of a projected attendance of 25,000 visitors per day. The entrance to the park would have been like Main Street USA with one side of the street based like old St. Louis and the other based on old New Orleans. Um, uh, one of the supposed reasons that this did not succeed is that August Bush, who is the uh, Anheuser-Busch family, uh, thought that Walt was crazy to keep a dry park and that the park would not succeed for selling beer. And there ended up being issues over financing and ownership of the park. So Disney then put his focus on Florida and what became known as the Florida Project uh, is what eventually turned into Walt Disney World. Uh, While the park did open in 1971, the land purchases began way back in April of 1964. Uh, Disney's attorneys uh, created many small shell companies uh, to make multiple purchases uh, within the area. In June of 1965, Walt started uh, planning meetings for the new park in Florida. Um, In November of 1965, Disney formally launched the Disney World Project. In September of 1966, the multiple dummy companies were merged into the Compass East Corporation. Uh, And then, of course, in 1966, we have Walt's passing. Um, And in December of 1966, on December 17th, Roy announces that the park's official name will be Walt Disney World because he wanted to memorialize his brother by putting his name in the park uh, or in the resort property. Um, In February, Roy outlined uh, Walt's original plan. In 1967, uh, May, both Lake Buena Vista and Bay Lake are established. In May of 1967, on the 30th, the site prep work began. On September 26th of 1967, the Compass East Corporation became the Walt Disney World Company. In May of 1968, the Walt Disney Travel Company was incorporated in Florida. And then on April 30th of 1969, Walt Disney World had their first official press event. On June of 1971, Disney announced that they would be putting in a short takeoff uh, airstrip 
that was actually built on property and it is currently used for bus parking. And they have rumble strips that if you drive over it, I believe, I want to say it's like 60 miles an hour. If you drive over it, I believe it plays When You Wish Upon a Star, uh, which I wish they could put that on our highways because it's a lot better than just hitting those rumble strips and hearing. Um, <laughs> well, everybody be doing it then. Yeah, that, but it would be cool. It would be cool if it happened. That's true. And how many people would be going off the side of the road just so they could hear the music? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Seriously. <laughs> Right. Um, in September of 1971, the Dapper Dans uh, debuted performing for cast members and families. And then on September 30th of 1971, the Walt Disney World Preview Center closed in anticipation for the October 1st opening. Uh, the October 1st opening uh, did happen. There was a lot of traffic. They did not have the infrastructure in place uh, as far as roads go that we're currently used to in the Walt Disney World Resort. Uh, so there were uh, massive traffic jams and card Walker, who was Walt's son-in-law went up in a helicopter and they saw this gigantic traffic jam and uh, they realized it was not guests who were uh, stuck in the traffic, but employees. Uh, there were 5,000 employees that day and many of them were late for work because the, uh, uh, they were all using the same road that the guests were using. So, uh, uh, you know, it, it wasn't as big a, a kerfluffle as the opening of Disneyland was in 1955, um, but they still did have, uh, you know, their little their little issues on that opening day. So uh, that's a little bit about the history. And uh, I think what's really interesting is 1971 prices. So uh, Adam's going to give us a little look at what the costs were at uh, Disney World on opening day. All right. So uh, parking, you got to park your car 50 cents per car. So right now, inflation calculator tells me $3.18, that is today. Yeah, the, we've outpaced inflation, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, really? Yeah, that's like a that's like a subway uh, ride from like, you know, for like 10 blocks, $3.18. Wow. Now to get in, there was a fee, and then to go on most of the attractions, there were the ticket books that you had to use mm -hmm. so to get in an adult was three dollars and fifty cents and convert that to today's dollars twenty two dollars and twenty four cents and then to get on most of the attractions the a through the e tickets the adult seven uh, ticket book was 475 which is thirty dollars and 19 cents today and then the 11 ticket book 575 which is 3654 for today. I have one of those ticket books. <gasps> so do we. We have one. That's too. amazing. Oh my gosh. But what the e-tickets are gone. Oh yeah, that's the, you used them all I, up. I didn't use them. I wasn't even born yet. Well, you know what I mean. I'm not trying did. to brag. Sorry, Tony. <laughs> yeah, Mark's dad found he had it buried in a box. So oh. we have that now. Did he have the e-tickets? I think there were some e-tickets on there, if I'm not mistaken. Well, all of our ah, e-tickets are him. gone. Yeah, if you had e-tickets e left over, you did something wrong on your visit. Now, Adam, um, I, I, th I think the interesting thing about the, the tickets is if you wanted to buy, you could actually buy additional tickets. Um, a tickets would cost you a dime. B tickets would cost you a quarter. C tickets would cost you 50 cents. D tickets would cost you 75 cents. And e-tickets would be between 80 and 90 cents. 80 cents for juniors and 90 cents for adults. That's almost a dollar. Yeah, what I like about the the pricing is they had three categories, not just the two we have now. Adults are 18 and up. Juniors, 12 to 17. So, like, mm -hmm. teenagers that aren't adults yet, technically. And then kids were 3 to 11. Nowadays, it's... Correct me, three to nine is a kid? Yes. Correct. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So everybody ten and up is an adult. adult. Um so I'd like how they split it up more efficiently so that your kid that's twelve or thirteen isn't maybe, you know, getting charged the same rate than a full adult would. At least for the ticketing. I I like how it's was so inexpensive to get in and then if you didn't want to write anything, you didn't necessarily have to. Because how many times did you guys go with, you know, your grandparents who couldn't ride many rides, if at all any, because they just, you know, they're older and they can't handle it. But they still want to be there to see the, the children, the grandchildren. Back then, you didn't, they didn't, you know, they weren't paying the same rate that you would be. Um, 
to ride everything. I liked that. I liked how they would, you know, if you were a person that didn't want to do as much, you could still go in and, and you know, look. Mm-hmm. You could walk in and just sit on a park bench all day. Mm-hmm. That would be fun. Yeah, I, I would I do think... that for 20 for what did I say? $34 and $36.54. Right. I, I think it's exciting uh, when you look back and, and you see that they actually had a guided tour back then. When's, when's the last time anybody took a tour uh, in the Magic Kingdom? Uh, it's been a few years. Yeah, a couple of years what, ago. What did you spend for it? Gosh. Maybe like $90 a person, maybe. Right? Yeah. On, in 1971, you could have taken a 3.5-hour walking tour with five attractions, and then you got admission to two others for $6.50. What? Adam, what's what? the inflation calendar on that calculator? Six fifty is forty one dollars thirty one cents. That's still a deal. Yeah, five rides plus two rides so plus admission to two others. Correct. So, so that's hmm. seven seven. So rides, what you're basically which... saying is Disney's over doubling the inflation calculator. I'm not yeah. saying that. Those are the facts. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dang it, man! That sounds like that sounds great. I want to do that for six. Bucks. Of course, on on the downside, I think in 1971 people made like 75 cents an hour. So, uh, you know, it, it's 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 not always as rosy as it seems. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Now, minimum wage was a dollar sixty. In See, it was actually more more Tony. A dollar sixty. So a dollar sixty is $10.17. Now, the sad part is, is that federal minimum wage, I think, is like uh, uh, $7.25. So minimum wage has not kept up with inflation. Uh, Yeah. The the average (laughs) salary in 1971 for a household, now this is before taxes, was six thousand five hundred dollars? Oh my god! Isn't yeah. that crazy? Feels like it wasn't that long ago. I really feel like it wasn't that long ago, but it's like forty nine years ago. <laughs> is that is it long enough to have that much of a discrepancy between the average income now and the average right. income then? That yeah, the rate of right. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. They got paid in oranges back then, <laughs> and luckily, luckily, Bob Ingalls built most of his own houses, so. Yeah, well, that's that's interesting. It's always interesting to look back at pricing, uh, you know, from ye olden times with mm-hmm. with today's glasses on. So um, while it seems cheap to us, it, it wasn't necessarily inexpensive to those families who traveled back then. But for those families who were lucky enough to go to uh, the Magic Kingdom, uh, they usually started. Well, not usually. They had to start their walk uh, on Main Street. So, uh, Bridget, why don't you take us for a little walk down uh, down Main Street in 1971? Okay. So, um, they obviously we they had the Walt Disney World Railroad. That was something that was very big for Walt the railroad. Um, but unlike now, it um, you know where it makes it stops in Frontierland and um, Fantasyland. It was a round trip only. Um, attraction and they had the three um vehicles they had locomotives they had walter e disney and the lily bell obviously named after walt and lily and then the roger e Brogy, which um i didn't really have a chance to see what he what the significance is there but i'm sure that is probably um somebody of one of the imagineers of walt's um, and then as you went into town square, you had the town square cafe, which is most likely what Tony's town square is now. Um, that's always been a restaurant. Um, and then they've always had their transportation, but they've had a little bit more. So, you know, now we're used to seeing the trolley car, but back then they had the fire trucks come out from the, um, the fire station. They had horse drawn street cars, which is the trolley cars that we're used to seeing the horse, horseless carriages, jitney vehicles. I think they still have them, right? Yeah. Don't they? Well, I think it depends on what a jitney vehicle is. Is that like... Like um... the little cars. Like the old-time cars. Is that what they're called? Yeah, that's a jitney. A jitney? <laughs> a and jitney, the omnibus, a jitney they don't is a bus. Oh. Well, the omnibus... Well, then what's the difference between the omnibus and the jitney vehicle? Because they the had omnibus those little is, cars. Omnibus the is The a double-decker. I think the jitney is... The jitney was the car. Yeah, I'm looking at it. It's yeah, it's like a it's like a enclosed 
bus that had like a couple rows. And all of those vehicles were a ticket attractions. Oh, you had to pay a ticket for it. I believe a horseless carriage is what we would think of as like a car, open top, and it looks like the it looks like a carriage that a horse would draw, but there's no horse. It's powered by an engine. Which is the one that I believe the mayor or the uh, the fire chief of Main Street drives around in on occasion. Yeah. So there was, those were some of the transportation vehicles that would run up and down Main Street. But then also there was all of the shops that they had on Main Street, which they had a lot of um, different and unique things as opposed to now where like Emporium takes up, you know, one entire side of, um, of Main Street. They had um, the camera center which I specifically remember going into with my grandfather because he always had his big camera. And, you know, you could get your cameras taken care of there. You could buy film. You could develop stuff. Um, and that, that is actually now the location. It's the current location of the confectionery. Um, they had little side street shops. So um, they had the New Century Clock Shop, Cup and Saucer Shop, Christmas Shop, Tobacconist, um, Greenhouse where they sold plants, and then they also had the Penny Arcade, which was kind of cool because it was like a throwback to a Penny Arcade. Um, you could play games in there for a quarter or watch moving picture machines for a penny. And it was just kind of like a little fun thing that you could do on your way out. I remember going in there a couple times, but that's where the first Penny Press um, in the park was located, was in the, the Penny Arcade. I, I, um, I totally I totally get the Penny Arcade, but who goes to Walt Disney World and comes back with a plant? I agreed. <laughs> I, I know. Depends on the plant. Well, wait a minute. They sell bonsai trees in Japan Pavilion, so True. it's that, not anything unheard of. That, they, they, they that makes sense. All the hydroponic plants at the land. Yeah. I get but it. But it's, it's kitschy. That's kitschy you're not gonna go buy it like you know magnolia. but then you can plant it in your yard and always have that tree from disney world yeah well and if you think about it in 1971 most people were driving i would think you know air travel yeah, yeah. wasn't as frequent as it is now so if you're driving why not buy a plant buy five <laughs> better than those balloons exactly right Give you some oxygen in the car ride. For the so, ride. Right. While it helps smoking. you breathe better. Yeah, it's filtering out that cigarette. <laughs> While your head's hanging out the back of the station wagon. Oh, yeah, because it's 71 now. We all know what was going on. Tony, oh, you were yeah. there. I was. And then, let's see, they also had the Main Street Cinema. And it would show early Disney cartoons like Steamboat Willie. And this was a B-ticket attraction when it first opened. So, um, but it was a nice little place to just kind of pop in and sit and enjoy um, a little bit of relaxing and downtime during the heat of, of, you know, Florida. Okay. Magic shop was my favorite. Um, I used to love to go into the magic shop. It was like this little store and it had all kinds of like magic tricks and like gag gifts. I mean, it was, I always came out of there with something and um, they would have, you know, fake arms magical smoke tricks um i remember buying like a, a magic kit set with like a, a a hat that you could like pull a scarf out of or something i mean and then i had bought that um and this was several many years later when i was a teenager but they had those um those leashes with the dogs the invisible dog and everybody was walking around the magic kingdom with them everyone so um you know so I, had I, I had i had one of those and do you know what happened what the invisible dog ran away. Ah, oh, I hate when that happens. And then you couldn't find him. It was, it would, it just became like a limp leash. <laughs> yeah. Those things can be a weapon too. I saw some kid hit his sister with one. Like, uh Oh, <laughs> seriously. They were the best though. That store was awesome. I, I really miss that store. They also had the market house store, the Coca-Cola refreshment corner, um, Main Street Confectionery was there. Bake Shop. Coke Corner is now Casey's, correct? Okay, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and they still call it, it's still like somewhat called Coke Corner at Disneyland. It's That's like the slang for it, at least. So here's a question. Was the plaza not there yet? Because there was an ice cream shop that in the part of the bake shop and the confectionery, because there was a 
picture when I, I think I was about three years old, sitting on the curb of Magic Kingdom with an ice cream cone. And some lady, and my mom tells tells the story all the time. I'm like, you know, she probably would have gotten arrested now, but she wanted to take my picture. And my mom's like, oh, yeah, go ahead. Because <laughs> she thought I was cute. <laughs> the, the Plaza restaurant was part of the Plaza ice cream parlor from 1971 until 76. Okay. Uh, the parlor uh, also had a seating area that was gigantic. And then in 77, yeah. they divided it into two parts with the uh, parlor and seating becoming their own uh, separate entities. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So then that makes sense. So then that's where my famous ice cream picture, I guess, came. I don't Whatever happened to that lady. I hope something good happened to that picture. But anyway. So, um, but yeah. So, so like a lot's changed, but there's some... There's some stuff that I really miss. I don't know if anybody remembers any of those from back in the day. You had a special one that like holds a place in your heart, like me and the magic shop. Uh, I, I do miss the um, the little video uh, arcade things, the little flip shows, you know, that you yeah. can put the that you could watch. And 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 they used to have this old fashioned baseball machine uh, yes. from the Penny Arcade that that I would play. I remember um, that. So those, those were the good old days. And, mm -hmm. you know, as, as much as things change, they stay the same. It's just, you know, a lot of it's still there. There's different names, but, yep. uh, it's, it's still that good old feeling. Thanks, Bridget. If, sure. if, and if you're, if you're not a lunatic, uh, you go to the left, like all smart people do, uh, after you leave main street and you, uh, turn into adventure land. And I think our guide through this part of the park is going to be crystal. Yes, Adventureland is to the left. That's the way I walk all the time. It's because you're um, a very smart person. Of course. One of the cool things about Adventureland is that not much has changed since opening. It's kept a lot of its charm uh, from the beginning. Um, you have things like Jungle Cruise, the Jungle Cruise, which we all enjoy, especially with the holiday overlays. Um, Swiss Family Treehouse Attraction is a favorite of my son's, which I didn't see that one coming, but they still talk about it. We took them, they were finally able to walk it in February from top to bottom, and now they just can't stop talking about it. They loved it, so it's such a classic. The Sunshine Pavilion attraction, also known as the Tropical Serenade, um, which was sponsored by the Florida Citrus Growers, also known as the Enchanted Tiki Room, was there. That was straight from the get-go. And if you were hungry, there was no Skipper Jungle Canteen. There was the Adventureland Veranda Restaurant, which, well, I looked up the menu from 1971, and it's it's kept its kind of exotic taste. And the Mickey value meal at the time was stir-fried beef with broccoli and white rice for a whopping $5.74. We still frequent all of these attractions. I do with my family. Um, and it's kind of cool that they've stood the test of time. Here's a question. Do you guys walk all the way through Adventureland and then hit Splash Mountain and come back around? To Frontierland, or do you cut through? Personally, I go all the way through to Splash Mountain. Well, if if you want to avoid the crowds, we usually cut straight through that little breezeway, and we head right into Frontierland. There, you'll find in 1971 was the Country Bear Jamboree, a fan favorite here. Maybe not so much with me, but with everyone else. There was the Frontier Shooting Gallery, uh, the Frontier Trading Post Shop. Pecos Bill was there and still serving burgers. So I enjoy that from time to time. You could enjoy a ride on the Mike Finkiel boats, um, which would take you, I believe, to Liberty Square, which was um, a nice little break. Uh, you could walk into the Mile Long Bar. I've never actually been in the Mile Long Bar, but it was on the other side of Pecos Bill prior to them extending it. And there were mirrors, I believe, on either side. So you felt like you were in this really infinite, lo infinitely long space. Um, and grab yourself one of the many Coca-Cola products that were being sold at the time. They also had and still have the Diamond Horseshoe, 
But at the time, it was the Diamond Horseshoe Review and had um, live music and entertainment. So I guess it's a lot like um, Hoop-de-Doo. I guess it was a lot like Hoop-de-Doo at the time. And uh, to think, now it's just a, a space used for overrun that serves mediocre food. It's kind of sad, right? I did it think is. that it has improved. I did, but I would like to check it out. I would I would be willing to check it out. But so that's a. Uh, that's our tour through Adventureland and Frontierland. Awesome. Thank you, Crystal. And then uh, once you go through Frontierland, you walk through Liberty Square. So, Liza, why don't you uh, pick up the tour? Actually, on my map, it says that the Diamond Horseshoe was in Liberty Square. <gasps> oh, excuse me. Excuse That's what it says. Me. I pulled up the original <laughs> map from 1971, and I'm looking. Number 34 is Diamond Horseshoe. Listen, girl, you you could have it. You could have it. Hey, I don't I'm want not it. Gonna fight you. I don't want it. Nobody wants it. It needs to be in its own land. It needs to be in its own land. I, I doubt it was even good back then. I'm just saying. I, I don't really want to visit it. But what is there and is still there today, along with Diamond Horseshoe, unfortunately, that's still there. Liberty Tree Tavern. Adam, you like Liberty Tree Tavern. I do. I like it a lot. It did used to have characters. Now, when I went my first trip, not to give it away, it was a character meal. And then eventually it was Mickey Mouse, Chip, Dale, and I think Goofy and Minnie. And they were in like patriotic attire. But that was that was 20 years ago, my first trip. But um, but it's not that anymore. Okay. And the Liberty tree was there. So the little tree with the, I like that little tree and the hall of presidents. And I, I looked it up. Richard Nixon was the president then when it opened. So I guess he would have had his little animatronic there and riverboat landing was there. Uh, Richard Nixon was a fairly large man. So he would have had a big animatronic Eliza. Was he? Like large, like what? Like like I don't know. I'm just pound life large or I have like no idea. Large? <laughs> um, riverboat landing, which I'm trying to see what that is. Is riverboat landing like where you? That's where the riverboat is. Yeah. The big boat. Yes. Okay, and then they also have a Nantucket Harbor House. And well, maybe that's now Columbia Harbor House. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Maybe that is it. I forgot about that restaurant. I never go there either. I'm, I'm like, I go to like three places there to eat. It's A, B, or C. Other than that, I'm not going. Because <laughs> I'm very limited with Magic Kingdom food. Admiral Joe Fowler Riverboat. Then that's the big boat, I believe. And then we have, did they rename that? Or is it still named that? No, now it's uh, the Liberty, um, Liberty Bell. Liberty Bell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, because I thought, why did they rename poor Admiral Joe Fowler? I think the Joe Fowler now is one of the boats they have out in the for the ferry. Okay. Well, I wonder why they moved him. Yeah, I don't. Um... It looks like he got demoted. He's not an admiral anymore. <laughs> so we have Mike Fink kill boats. Wait, I, it, you, okay. No, it originally was the um, the first name of that boat out in uh, on Rivers of America, the Admiral Joe Fowler. Oh. So in 1980, it was uh, then removed. Oh. Actually, actually, the Admiral Joe Fowler uh, started operation on October 2nd. In May of 73, a second riverboat named Richard F. Irvine would join, and that would later be renamed the Liberty Bell. Oh. So that's in the one that stayed. They needed two boats. People liked the, the boat. People they had. And until 1980, when one of them was dropped from a crane, and it was broken. Whoa, huh. that's that's a mess up right there. Glad it wasn't me. The Haunted Mansion was there in Liberty Square, as is, I'm sure, not much has changed in that. They added the extra stuff later on, but... Did they ever add a, a 1,000th ghost? No, I don't think so. <laughs> you can be it, though, Adam. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> and then we head on over to Fantasyland and the Skyway to Tomorrowland... Because you can enter the Skyway there. And I remember doing that. And they were those little dangling cars. But this time, the real danger was there. Like, there was real danger. It was it was not safe. People were probably smoking up there. There's no telling what was going on. It was 71. Um, it's a small world. And it's probably still about like it is. Um, something called the Art Festival. And I'm, I'm assuming it's a store. 
I think it is a store. Uh, Peter Pan's Flight, the Mickey Mouse Review. Now, this is one that I really wish I would have been able to see. And I know it was there until 1980 when it was moved to Japan. But I looked up the animatronics, and there was a ton of them in this. And it looked like some really cool characters. And I really do wish I could have seen it. But alas, I didn't get there in time. Did you see it, Tony? I did not. Oh, okay. Although, you know what? If it... I was there in 79, so I probably saw it, but it did not make an impression on me. Well, some of those animatronics are in the scene in Splash Mountain at the end with the riverboat, the chickens, and uh, and I believe the three caballeros were from that as well that are in the Mexico ride. Yeah. So they have been using those animatronics. They've been making their rounds. They haven't stayed in the closet too long. They, they looked really cool. Then Pinocchio Village House was still there. So that's cool. Fantasy Fair, Dumbo the Flying Elephant, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, which I remember that one well. Like, I used to love that ride. I don't know why. It was kind of weird, but I, I liked it. Cinderella's Golden Carousel. Of course, Cinderella's Castle. And King Stephen's Banquet Hall, which is now Cinderella's Royal Table. Okay, Castle Camera Center, Snow White's Adventures, which I liked that ride. I totally missed that ride. I miss that ride too. I miss Snow White's Adventure and I miss Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. I liked, you know, the whole thing with the toad and the bar and the DUI. And then he gets hit by a car and he goes to hell. That's the best ride ever. <laughs> then you have to explain stuff there's lots of explaining after that ride but it's a great ride it was and i kind of liked how it was like a tilt-a-whirl it would go around all fast and crazy and then royal candy factory mad tea party and that was about it but lots of original stuff still there but a lot has changed thanks liza and speaking of things that have changed the 1971 version of Tomorrow was a lot different than the Tomorrowland of today. And uh, to take us over there is our man of tomorrow, Adam. Uh, yeah, I'm still. We're still looking for Tomorrowland because right now we're stuck in I don't know 1998 Tomorrowland. Mm. But anyway, the the Tomorrowland of 1971's Magic Kingdom was leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, we had a Skyway to Fantasyland, which is the like the gondolas. The station was where the bathrooms are outside of Space Mountain. That building is still there. It's now like bathrooms, but then second floor was where the station was. And that went to uh, Fantasyland. The station for which I'm, I'm sure Liza went through over was where the tangled bathrooms are now that's where the station kind of was the grand prix raceway which is now the um tomorrowland speedway uh classic disney attraction they all have them uh, everybody hates the smell and the sound but it's the first time a kid gets to drive a car so how cool is that I don't mind uh, the there, was, there was <laughs> there was a store mickey's mart store which is now where uh, Mickey Star Traders is, which is where the exit for um, Stitch was. Now there's really no more Stitch anymore. And then there was a restaurant, the Tomorrowland Terrace restaurant. Now this is not the Tomorrowland Terrace you know and love today, which is semi-open where they have those dessert parties. It's the current Cosmic Gray Starlight Cafe. So that used to be called the Tomorrowland Terrace restaurant. And that is it. That's all Tomorrowland had an opening. Now, eventually, it did get a couple attractions in its first year. So it did get um, the America the Beautiful attraction, which is in the current theater where Monsters and Glafleur is. That came in uh, later in 1971. And then there's the attraction known as Flight to the Moon, which is based off of a old Disneyland attraction known as rocket to the moon and then uh, mission to mars and that kind of changed but this attraction flight to the moon is in the theater where stitch used to be so unfortunately this tomorrowland did not have the people mover it did not have space mountain it did not have carousel of progress it didn't wow. have 
I know. Not it good. didn't have the lunching pad where you can get cool hot dogs. It didn't have anti-gravities. You know what it did have? It had a first aid station. Well, that's always good. Because I saw it in the map. <laughs> but that's about it. The The map on that section, it's like there's nothing there. So they had plenty of room. So that's I'm glad they put stuff there. But golly, that's like not very much. The, the, cool, though, the, the cool thing, though, is the Contemporary was built sort of where you could see it from eyeshot from Tomorrowland. And the Contemporary kind of looks like tomorrow-ish so it kind of blended in nice which was really cool mm-hmm. and uh, and you could see out a lot because there wasn't a people mover track in the you know the second story there wasn't a space mountain there wasn't strong construction tony there wasn't even the stage where they have the dance parties that wasn't there i know Does, are you upset would you have danced at a dance party in 1971 uh, I probably would have with my bell bottoms on, and uh, I'd be wearing I'd be wearing a dicky. Um, of course. But the good thing is, even though even though the stage where the current dance parties are being held was not there in 1971, there was a stage in the location that the Carousel of Progress currently is. There was actually a stage there, a performance stage in mm. 1971. That- is that where the Beatles first performed? Is that correct? I, I, I don't think so. Lots of oh. tight bell bottoms. Yes. And ascots. Oh, you've, seen, you've seen my pictures. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, all, all I have to say is if, if that is 1971's version of Tomorrow, they must have thought Tomorrow was going to be very bleak because there was nothing there. It's um, sad. It's, yeah, it's it unfortunate. Was. Yeah. It, it would take until about 1975 for Tomorrowland to be completed. Uh, and it was uh, that was the year that Space Mountain opened. So and there's uh, and they're still trying to complete it. Um, right. And and you know what? It makes sense because Disneyland, if you remember how when it was getting built, Tomorrowland was the last land to be finished, and they finished it up until like the day before. And there were attractions that weren't even open; they were just facades. Wow! And when they were doing the um, the the TV special, so it it's they just. They always save Tomorrowland till the end, and then some, I guess. Well, the the problem with Tomorrowland, uh, you know, the the other lands are all kind of like a fixed point in history, you know. But Tomorrowland looks forward to tomorrow, and at some point, tomorrow becomes current day. Mm-hmm. So that's that's like the only land that has to reinvent itself. Or in the case, uh, certain times like in Paris, where they went back to like a Jules Verne version of tomorrow, you know, or like some steampunk version of tomorrow. So um that that land kind of gets it gets it rough isn't um, that epcot's entire problem right now basically like, a little uh, bit a little bit but uh in 1971 epcot was just a unused concept that walt had figment of our imagination oh, see what i did there a figment of walt's imagination oh that's true too well thanks adam um you know uh tomorrowland was pretty bleak um but uh, you made it so exciting I try. Good job, you, and I you try. succeed. Uh, so one thing Adam did mention uh, was that the contemporary resort could be seen uh, from inside the park, and aesthetically, it was designed to you know live in harmony with Tomorrowland, so that you'd look across the river, it would have that same look and feel. And that brings us to the fact it's a very nice segue. So thank you, Adam. It brings us to the fact that on opening day, there were two resorts at Walt Disney World. Uh, These two resorts were the Contemporary and the Polynesian Village Resort. They were both built by the U.S. Steel Company, uh, who was uh, originally slated to be the owners of the hotel properties. But prior to opening, Roy Disney bought out their shares uh, and decided that Disney would manage the resorts. Um, Both of the resorts were designed and conceived by WED Enterprises, which we now know as Imagineering, um, and designed by the architectural firm of Welton, Beckett, and Associates. Both resorts used modular construction, which began with steel frames being erected on property, and then the guest rooms uh, were modular, and they were built off-site and then fitted into the resort uh, by crane. So they were kind of like a big erector set, and they just slid these boxes in. Uh, The original intent was that the rooms could be renovated or have maintenance performed on them just by removing the modules. 
Uh, but what ended up happening is that the resorts, uh, the steel frames settled and you could no longer easily slide these modules in and out. So now the rooms are kind of locked in place. And uh, our contemporary girl, Bridget, is going to give us a little bit of information on the contemporary in October of 1971. Okay, so the contemporary which was, um, it's a resort near and dear to my heart only because that's where we would always stay when I was a kid. So all of my memories of going to Disney with my family were always at the Contemporary in the Garden Wing, South Garden Wing. But the original name was Tempo Bay Hotel, which I'm really glad they changed it to Contemporary. I don't know that I really like that name for it, but um, doesn't flow off the tongue like uh, Contemporary does. Um, but it's 15 stories, 1,047. 46 rooms. On opening day, the restaurants that were available were Top of the World Restaurant and the Gulf Coast Room. Um, and I remember dining at both of those locations. Um, both, especially the Gulf Coast Room, was a little more of a swanky restaurant. Um, you had to wear a jacket um, and there was a walking violinist there. And if you are familiar, the be the second floor of the Contemporary. So when you come in and you go up the first escalator, the Gulf Coast room was there where all those conference rooms are. It was it was right at the foot of the next set of elevators that goes up to the Grand Canyon concourse. So wait, so you had to wear a jacket? Yeah, it was. Yeah, and that's all? Was, yes, just a jacket, no pants. Thank you. I, I, I would <laughs> dine there every night. <laughs> no pants. Um, but yet, like, guys had to wear, like, you had to get dressed up. So, and that was kind of like a big thing back then, which... You know, now it's gotten a little more casual. I mean, there's we have some more nicer restaurants and upscale restaurants at Disney, but um, there were that was that was one that was a little more swanky. So, and then they had the rest, the all the um, shopping locations in the same general area, but not quite not quite the same. So the Fantasia shop was where the arcade is now. Um, they had a spirit shop there. They had the Contemporary Man and Woman uh, on the other side where. Um, you gifts is so a little bit's changed there but i mean it's essentially kind of a similar layout let me just jump back real fast to california grill top of the world was supposed to be like a supper club which from my memories of it um uh, there was and this was not in 1971 several years later but they had a show up there called broadway at the top and i it was like my favorite show ever we'd always go every year um and i would I would always like talk to the performers and stuff like that because that was my jam. Um, but that was really cool. So they kind of kept that theme from 1971 for a while. So yeah, I mean that's I mean that's the contemporary in a nutshell. Their pool was definitely different. It was just kind of like a, a rectangular pool, nothing fancy. Contemporary in a nutshell. Yep. Thanks, Bridget. Sure. Now, does anyone know this? This has nothing to do with 1971. But there was a historic event that took place in one of the uh, ballrooms at the Contemporary a few years later, and it involves someone that we've already talked about on today's episode. Oh. Did insert oh. Jeopardy music here? Did uh, Richard Irvine get married? No. no. Didn't Richard Nixon meet somebody there? You're close. Ooh, he met. He met these. Was it Hard Walker? No, it was. Uh, that is uh, where Richard Nixon gave his famous I am not a crook speech. Oh, get out. Really? Where yep. was this at? Contemporary. In the contemporary. No, he did not. He did too. Did he do the, like the peace out? <laughs> no. Oh, that wasn't there? Okay. <laughs> no, that was when he left the White House. Oh, oh, oh <laughs> never mind. He said the peace out there. Okay. Peace out. Yeah, All right. It. So the the second uh, resort that was open and also on the monorail line in October of 1971 was the Polynesian Village Resort. And our little luau lady, Crystal, is going to tell us about that. So the Poly has always been one of my favorites. And that's where my family stayed when we would go when I was a little girl. Um, we were just reminiscing a little bit prior to recording on how we miss the water fountain and the smell of the original lobby. I really do. I used to walk over that bridge through those doors and take a big giant whiff of that lobby. And it just used to be so, I knew I was in Disney. I knew I was on vacation at that point. It smelled like and asbestos? Really, 
It smelled like must. Oh. <laughs> like kind of like chlorine, must, um, and humidity. Um, that's, that's Tony's chlor- uh, cologne of choice. I'm, I'm actually wearing that right now. See? It was the most comforting must smell, though, that um, I've ever come in contact with. So I really enjoyed it. The Poly was originally planned to be a 12-story high-rise instead of a series of buildings, which is quite interesting it has 492 guest rooms at the time of which six were suites um and it was divided between eight longhouses in lieu of the 12-story high-rise the longhouses were uh, named after all the islands of polynesia uh, bali high bora bora fiji hawaii maui samoa tahiti and tonga it Boarded the Coral Isle, Isle Cafe restaurant. Um, the Papite Bay, is that, am I saying that correctly? The Papite Bay Veranda restaurant, Tambu Lounge, Captain Cook's Hideaway Lounge, and Barefoot Snack Bar. So a lot has changed in the Poly uh, since opening. Um, am I correct in uh saying the tambu lounge is still there you are correct yes, am right the tambu lounge is still there uh captain cooks is their quick service dining right i believe you are correct yes. yeah i think captain cooks is in a different spot though now it captain may cooks be. was outside i believe by the pool one of the pool areas and then eventually like they sort of moved it inside it was always i as far as i knew Maybe it was outdoors, or maybe there was an outdoor area to it, but I always remember it being inside, so maybe, but maybe I'm just not thinking back far enough. Um, so there's no Hana here, no uh, Kona Cafe. Um, so I, I love the Polly, it's so classic. I hope they don't change it any more than it's already been changed. Well, you know, they're refurbing it right now. I All right. Know. I know you're well, sticking the knife in Tony. I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Maybe, maybe I can lighten the mood with another bit of resort trivia. Does anyone know what happened in the Polynesian resort in December of 1974? Is it where the Bee Gees were formed as a group, Tony? No, but you. It does involve music, and it does involve a group. Pardon? Oh, oh, I know. The Backstreet Boys. That's where they started. 74. Adam, once again, once again, Adam, your knowledge of musical history astounds me. (laughs) Um, No. uh, In December of 1974, John Lennon's lawyer brought him the paperwork to dissolve the Beatles, and he signed it while staying at the Polynesian (gasps) Village Resort. No. I knew that. I knew it. I knew it was in the back. I, I didn't know it. that at all. Was Yoko there? She must have uh, I believe she, she was. She was riding Space Mountain. Oh, wait. Space Mountain wasn't built yet. No, yeah, she was. Yoko's uh, not... the background loop for Space Mountain. <laughs> and that, that date was December 29th of 1974. She That's was what trying she to sounds like. Into the haunted mansion. <laughs> And that's why the Beatles were dissolved. Thanks, Yoko. You know, Bali High is not a real name of a island in the South Pacific. They sing it in South Pacific, though. Right, that's what I was just going to say. I think it's just from South Pacific. I I know. Bali High, from what I can tell, is not the name of an island. It's sort of like based on this other island, Aboa, but it's not the real name of an island. I'm looking at that. They might have made that up. Right now, I agree with Adam. While he does not know music, uh, he does know his Polynesian islands. See, and it is the uh, island is known as Ambe Island. There it is, Ambe. They have renamed these longhouses many times because the Bora Bora bungalows are now exist, and whatever longhouse that was named is something else. They've they've changed these names a hundred times. And if you're somebody that goes to the Poly every year, I'm sure it got confusing on you because. You're used to going to one place and then they switched it on you. But if you're like me, who hasn't only, who's only gone within the last three years, I don't, I don't know the difference. I know they are doing some changes. I hope they don't change too much because I think it's looks nice just the way it is. There is something to be said about like that 
nostalgic 50s version of the South Pacific. I agree. Yeah. They just had the, and I I love that resort. It's one of my favorites. It's the rooms just need a little bit of an overhaul. Well, the rooms are much better than they were in 1971. That's for sure. Well, this is true. So those were the only two resorts that were there on opening day. Many people think that uh, Fort Wilderness, Fort Wilderness Campground was uh, open on opening day, but that did not open until uh, November of 1971. So while it wasn't uh, there in October, it would uh, show up later, uh, you know, in a month or so, a month and a half. Um, The grand opening festivities for Walt Disney World took place on October 23rd through October 25th of 1971. It was a three-day event. Uh, The resorts, I believe, were dedicated on October 24th. Uh, October 25th was the dedication of the park. And then um, uh, a special aired on October 29th, which captured all of the events from the three-day celebration. So uh, they did not have the the same type of live feed that Disneyland had in 1955, um, but it did uh, get some airtime uh, on television. So that is a, a look back at history. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed. And, uh, you know, I, I said we would talk about our first trips to Walt Disney World. Um, and I, I can't think of any better way to start this off than to do it in uh, alphabetical order. And we will also go with the cutest member of, of the, the group. Uh, and that would be Adam. When was your first visit to the Walt Disney World properties? I just want to say bef- before I get into that program that, that Tony was talking about is on YouTube. And it's with uh, Julie Andrews and there's a bunch of other celebrities in there. It's worth checking out. It, it's like over an hour long, but um, it's definitely staged because there's there's planned, you know, dance performances and uh, you could tell it was all choreographed, but it's still worth it. And um, and they, they show a lot of the old stuff that was going on. So um, I would, uh, would check that out. But my first trip was February of 2001. Uh, we did not stay on property. We had a timeshare offsite. Now, and, in, um, in, in yes. 2001, how, how old were you? February 2001, I would have been 10. Oh, you just missed the child cutoff. Yeah, yeah. But I think, um, I, if I remember correctly, my parents told me to tell everybody I was nine. Ah, well played, Elmer's. My brother, <laughs> they, were, they told my brother to say that he was three. Nice. Yeah. Um, so on your first visit, a one-day ticket for an adult would cost you $48 and for a child ages three to nine, $38 for a one day ticket. Wow. I know we had park hoppers and, uh, but we, we only parked up one day. So maybe that wasn't worth it. I don't know, but I wasn't making those decisions back then. All right. Um, So, uh, so by that point, um, they were, there were tickets, uh, one price tickets. There were no more a through E ticket, uh, attraction type, uh, uh, situation going on. Um, and what from that first visit do you have any vivid memories? Yeah, I, you know it's sad. I don't really remember much other than I, I remember like seeing the pictures uh, and the videos. We took like a video camera, and I recently was able to watch it. Uh, I had got a VCR, but um, that VCR has since broke, so now I need to figure out a new VCR system. But but things that I actually do remember there. The most vivid thing is the. Fest, the um, Tapestry of Nations parade in Epcot, that was that we saw twice because we went to Epcot two nights to eat at Italy and to eat at Germany. And uh, and I remember we saw the parade the first night and then um, the firework at Illuminations. And I do remember saying, I want to watch this again the next time we're here for the next the next night that we would be at Epcot. So that parade was uh, it was different. The puppets, the uh, it's very similar to the, uh, we've talked about this before, the Lion King on Broadway type puppets, and uh, the the ones that are now found at the uh, the Nemo show in Animal Kingdom, which wasn't around back then, but it's the same vein. So it was uh, f- familiar, and uh, but still different, and there was no you know real characters, which is like a weird story, and it's really cool, really well done, and. Uh, the, the puppeteers were very interactive with the people sitting and watching it. So that was, uh, I found, I found, uh, my old pictures from that parade, Adam. 
in a box at my mom's Did? house. Did? Yep. I'm going to have to take a picture of them and send it to you guys. Yep. Yeah. Because we sat in Epcot and watched that parade. That was like 2000, was it? 2001? 2000? Something like that. Yeah, it was that like is, 99, 2000, 2001. That is still yeah. one of my favorite uh performances uh, i would put that up against uh festival of the lion king at any any time the music the music is so good yep awesome well thank you for your memories adam uh and if we're going with the alphabetic uh, order still we will go next to bridget so my first time was in 1979 so i was two years old excellent well um, you got it you got in for free i did uh, yeah but an adult an adult in 1979 would pay 650 to seven dollars uh, a junior would be five fifty to six dollars, and a child would be three fifty to four dollars. Why they are not one value, I can't tell you, um, but they were still using the A through E ticket attraction uh, ride ticket attractions yes. uh, at that time. Yes. So we stayed um, at that time. We stayed at the tree houses um, at the Disney Village, and um, had like a little golf cart. Um, and I honestly, it's if, to say that I remember anything from that trip. I, I mean, it's just in pictures, but um, there's one picture that we actually, there was a character meal um, on the Empress Lily. And there's a picture of me with um, Alice in Wonderland. And I, I'm trying to think the Mad Hatter was there. It was like, and I forget what other characters were involved, but it was really, it's really cute when they used to have that open up for, you know, I think they had that character meal there for quite a little while um while I was younger but I mean yeah that was gosh it was so long ago that it's hard to even I just remember there was there were tons of peacocks too at the Disney the Disney village in the treehouse locations they were always like walking around um that's that was my first time (laughs) awesome that that sounds that sounds like a fun time all right uh Crystal you're up next so the first time that I went, I believe, was 1984, and I was two. Uh, I actually do have vague memories of this trip. I remember we stayed at a Days Inn off property, and my father had bought a giant uh, inflatable whale for me to ride around the pool in, and I love that. And I remember seeing the electric parade for the first time and really wanting to go home because we were waiting so long and I was hot and I just I wanted to go home and then it began and I just I remember just being so awed by the whole spectacle so that was um that's one of my original memories The second memory I have is very early, but I'm not sure if it was the first trip, but it was in Epcot. And I remember my father walking up to a station with a phone and a screen. And it was so ahead of its time, but he was able to pick up the phone and speak to the agent while looking at her and make a dining reservation for that evening. It was Skype before Skype. I remember that. And we were all... Because we walked up to it not knowing what it was. There was just a line of people. And he just, he was like, what's this? And he he picked up the phone. And we were all in like, we were like, what is this? This is so cool. Where are we? This place is amazing. It's magical. You can see the people you're talking to on the phone. So um, the other magical thing is getting a dining reservation the same day at a... Uh, table service restaurant at the time that was really magical too but um yeah those are my memories um i just remember lots of magic happening all the time so nice well let (laughs) let me tell you in 1984 uh disney eliminated the junior price category and they went to the current adult and child categories that we have today um although they did have the child age child ages became 3 to 12 and adults were 13 and up an adult would pay 17 to 18 dollars for a one day ticket they did do a uh, mid year price adjustment so that explains uh, for multiple pricing and a child ticket was 14 to 15 dollars wow yeah that was a cheap date yeah and you still are um liza <laughs> you're no, up next that would be me <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. But don't think you're going to split a $5 foot long and only pay two fifty. Just saying. That's what you say to all the boys. That was very specific, Liza. Well, you know, anyway, moving on. <laughs> um, when we first went, it was in 1987. That's what I remember. I remember it was 87. Oh. The McRib was back. It must have been like cold outside. I think it was cold. And uh, yeah, I think all we right. stayed at the Motel 6 down the street. It's great. Hold on. Enjoy your McRib for a second. In 1987, Disney once again changed the definition of a child's ticket and they lowered the age range from three to nine. Uh, so that kind of gets us into the current uh, pricing uh, platform. Um, an adult ticket was twenty six to twenty eight dollars and a child ticket was nineteen fifty to twenty two dollars. Well, I slid in there in the child's age at nine years old. So, yep, I was nine years old and it was a great trip and I loved it, even though we stayed off property. And we never did that again, though. That was the first and last mistake. Yeah, that's a mistake you make once. Yep, yep. We made the first mistake once and then and then we, we just swore it was just worth the money to stay on site because the drive in and the parking lot, everybody leaving at the end of the night. And my mom saw the buses and she was like, oh, no, we're not doing this again. So it, it was uh, we got hooked. That's when we got hooked. Excellent. Thank you. And my first trip, uh, like Bridget, was uh, 1979. What? Huh? Huh? Did I just? I'm sorry. I was just talking out of turn. You were at Disneyland on opening day, right? Tony? Are you? Oh yes, yes. My shoes, my high heels, got stuck in the asphalt back I in Disneyland so. at 55. Um, but no, my your my mother, first visit. Your mother's hair was all teased up, right? Like, it, it, it was, beehive? and it was it was highly flammable because it was a bouffant. <laughs> um, and as she was smoking while walking through the park and drinking whiskey, uh, her hair went up in a giant uh, conflagration. Uh, so it, it wasn't a pretty scene. That was, of course, the inspiration for Illuminations. People don't know that. It literally <laughs> fact. Once again, always hitting you with the trivia during the course of the show. Tony's mother's hair, the inspiration for Illuminations. Took them 30 years, but they did it eventually. It did. It did. They, the only thing they eliminated from the show was her screams. But getting back to my first visit to Walt Disney World, uh, like Bridget, it was 1979. Um... It was the year after my father passed away. So, uh, you know, it was a, a rough year for me. And I came down as part of our uh, city's high school. Uh, their marching band was going to be playing in Walt Disney World and marching down Main Street. Um, my cousins happened to be uh, like drum, not drum majors, majorettes uh, and cheerleaders. So we uh, came down with them. We stayed in the Quality Inn, uh, which used to was also known as the High Q. It was a round hotel, uh, which was there for many years on International Drive. Um, and uh, it was a bus ride. So we bussed all the way down from Connecticut and uh, got to go to um, uh, the Magic Kingdom, which which I thought was amazing. Um, even though I had already been to Disneyland, this was you know such a, a grander scale. And it would be my uh, last visit until 19, let's see, 1988. So it would be another nine or 10 years before I would make it back. I, I just, you know, it was Disney. I saw Donald Duck. I was I was a happy boy. So those th those were my memories. That's cool. You guys were there the same year. We were. We might have been there at the same time. I'm going to have to look for my pictures. Yes. If you see a little girl eating ice cream, let me know. That would be true. <laughs> Awesome. So I, I hope that everyone enjoyed this episode uh, as you're listening to it and, uh, you know, enjoy to look back at this, this Walt Disney World history and a little bit of our input. I'm sure you all have your own memories uh, of your first trip to the Magic Kingdom. So maybe under the comments for the show on the Facebook page, just let us know what your favorite memories were. And uh, with that, I'm going to toss it over to myself so that I can close out the show. Tony, I'm sorry. Uh, it's also Epcot's 38th birthday on Thursday. Well, uh, we'll give them a small happy birthday, and we'll talk to them next year for their 39th birthday special. <laughs> and now, I really am going to throw it over to myself so I can close out the show. Thanks, Tony. As always, I'd like to remind our guests that the Mouse & More podcast is sponsored by Main Street & More Travel. 
head on over to their website, MainStreetMoreTravel.com, and let Chris and her team of travel agents help your family make memorable vacations. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram.